April 21st, 2019. The Nats struggle to 500 against two mediocre opponents this week. How much is Davey Martinez's management costing the team? What adjustments does Juan Soto have to make to avoid the sophomore slump? And why is every bullpen in baseball so bad? From Ann Arbor, Michigan, it's Jacob Rash. From Boston, Massachusetts, it's Johnny Rash. This is the Rashcast with Jake and John. Hi there, and welcome to the Rashcast with Jake and John. I'm Jake. And I'm Johnny. Uh, so we're recording this podcast after uh, the Nationals go 3-3 three and three this week, uh, the week of April 21st. And it's a, it's a week you kind of hope that they go better than 3-3. Three and three. Uh, It's a week against the Giants and the Marlins, two teams that are in the lower tier, probably the two worst teams in the National League. And going 3-3 three and three against them isn't the worst thing in the world, but you'd ideally like to go 4-2, and 5-1. And, one. and you know, the, the other thing about these teams are the teams aren't just the worst. They're the worst offenses in baseball. And uh, the Nats didn't exactly handle them uh, particularly well on the pitching side. Uh, but that changed today. The Nats absolutely shut down the Marlins. Steven Strasburg, eight shutout innings, 11 strikeouts, only two hits. But uh, leading us into our first topic, uh, there was some very interesting managerial decision-making in the ninth inning. Yes, and that's kind of been the case a lot this week. Um, with a 5 nothing lead and two men on and two outs, Davey Martinez pulled Trevor, uh, Kyle Bearclaw in favor of Sean Doolittle. Uh, who got gave up an infield single and then got the next out? Um, you know, not Doolittle had the weekend off, so he hasn't been overworked this weekend. But however, you'd really not like to see your closer pitch in a five-run game. Uh, it's not you, know, you want to save him for close games, two runs games, one-run games, where there's more on the line, ideally. Well, I think this is sort of of a piece with the the way Davies managed this entire season. I mean, you look at this week alone. Uh, in the Wednesday game, uh, the Nats had a seven-run lead. Uh, Austin Williams gave up four runs. Uh, and Davey went to Kyle Bearclaw for one out, but really just as a stall tactic to get Doolittle up and Bearclaw got the out, and then Doolittle had to come in. Uh, and then the next game, the, the Nats had a three-run lead in the ninth inning. Uh, Davey went to Doolittle, which which obviously isn't a problem. Most managers are going to manage that way. But the problem I had with that situation was that Davey had uh, dual-barrel action in the top of the or the bottom of the eighth inning. Uh, he had Doolittle if it were a three-run game and a save situation, and bear claw if it were, you know, anything more than that. Uh, which, to me, is just it's stupid managing. Uh, if you're going to have do-little pitch, have do-little pitch. Uh, don't treat a three-run game differently than a four-run game for those purposes, because what you end up doing is, you know, if, if you're managing with a sort of a red-line strategy that you're going to try and maximize your odds of winning every game uh, and you're white-knuckling it, you're going to go to do a little if, if, if uh, Bear Claw gets into any trouble anyway. And that's what we saw here on Sunday. So there was no point in going to Bear Claw to start the ninth inning if, if he got into any trouble at all. You were going to uh, 
go to Doolittle to bail you out. Yeah. I just think that every decision that Davies made this year has just been cowardly, as you said in your tweet like 20 minutes ago. Uh, how many different ways can we describe, say the word cowardly? But it really is the truth. He's managing like he's, you know, every game's his last of the season. And so he's putting all of the only people he can, tr- he can trust play the game. That means there are the rest of the bullpen who's not going to be used. Uh, so like today when he put Doolittle in, um, I would have personally started the inning with Rosenthal uh, because you want to see if he can pitch at all, see what you can get with him. You have him in your bullpen, you might as well use him. But of course he used Bear Claw, and if Bear Claw got in any trouble, he used Doolittle because he's too afraid. And not even just in in-game management decisions, he's been cowardly, but also off the field. I talked about this a, lit, a bit a few weeks ago um, about how he kept throwing his relievers under the bus, and that you know still continued this week when he said you know they have to do better. He's not really putting any onus on himself um, for for the team's poor play. Uh, and I think as a manager, that's what your job, half of the job is, is being the one, the figurehead for the team. And so by kind of putting off all the responsibility on other people, what is his job really besides shittily managing the bullpen? Yeah, and I mean, the problem with a manager like Davey, a guy who's got very little clout, who's got very little sort of margin for error, who can't afford to lose, basically in his mind, even a single game, uh, is that what you need right now is someone who's going to be willing to throw Trevor Rosenthal because Rosenthal is very important to this team. He's supposed to be the eighth inning guy. He's supposed to be the other guy that you can count on apart from Doolittle. But you know it's going to be hard work rehabilitating him. Like You have to pitch him. He can't get better and get back into the zone if you don't throw him. Uh, and Davey's just been completely unwilling to do so because you know the gears start turning in his head you know, it's a five-run game. What if he walks the first two hitters? What then? We're in trouble. And, you know, he's sort of concerning himself with these worst-case scenarios and trying to make sure that they don't happen as opposed to, you know, doing the things that need to be done for this team to, you know, improve in the long term. Uh, And that's the troubling thing here. You know, you bring a then a rookie manager into a must-win scenario. A guy who doesn't really have any backup. I mean, if, if Martinez, if this job does not go well for David Martinez, he's not getting another chance. This guy is, is 54 years old. Uh, you know, he's been waiting God knows how long for this opportunity. If this does not go well, this is it. And he's managing like it. Uh, so, you know, for the most part, I mean, yes... Davey is very much of the Joe Madden school of managing, uh, where sort of every move he makes is about him. Uh, and I don't mean that in a psychoanalytically, like a psycho in, psychoanalysis, sorry, having trouble speaking, but a psychoanalytical way. Uh, what I mean by that is like, you know, you look at that, uh, that hit and run that he tried to pull today with Suzuki and Dozier. Dozier, the guy who can't hit, and Suzuki, the guy who can't run. Uh, but you know, that's the sort of active managing that a, a guy who feels like he needs to do something is is all about. But, I mean, I'm not even talking about that. I'm just saying that, you know, most of this is on the GM, on Rizzo for hiring a guy like Davey, and on the learners for not being willing to pay 
for uh, a more veteran season manager. For instance, a Dusty Baker type. Yeah. Well, there's only so much complaining you can do about a manager, and we will do plenty of it this season, believe me. So, moving on to our next topic, we're going to look at um, Juan Soto, who's gone off to a you know, uncharacteristic start compared to last year. He's still walking a bunch, and he's getting his hits here and there. But one thing that's really up with him is his strikeouts. Uh, he's striking out a lot more this season than he had all of last season. Uh, and a lot of that's been attributed to the change in approach against him. Uh, he's seeing a lot more off-speed pitch, a lot fewer fastballs. He has seen the second-fewest fastballs in the National League behind Max Muncie, according to fan graphs, uh, eighth lowest in baseball. And he's seeing a lot more off-speed, especially in the zone. Um, so that's kind of changed. It caused him to cause the strikeouts to go up. Uh, what do you think about that? Well, I think that, yeah, I mean, as you see, his strikeout rate is is now above league average. It's now 26.3%, where it was you know, much lower last year. It was around 20 uh, I think you see a lot of consequences of him seeing so many off-speed pitches. First of all, the the big thing that he's been struggling against, to my mind, has been the changeup from right-handed pitchers. Uh, he has seen 58 changeups this year, uh, and of the 58, he swung at 27. Uh, and of those, 19 of the 27 that he swung at have been whiffs or foul balls, and seven have been ground balls. So he's only really hit two changeups hard the whole season. Uh, which I think is telling because he's seeing so many of them. Uh, but you also see this sort of reflected in his batted ball profile. He is pulling the ball a lot more than he did last year. Uh, we're talking about a 9% increase, which is huge, from 36 to 45% increase in the, the rate of pulled balls. Uh, and, you know, his line drive ground ball fly ball percentages haven't really changed but uh he's becoming sort of a player that is is easier defense which he very much wasn't last year he's out on his front foot a lot more uh and you know the thing that made Soto great and makes him great is that he's able to identify you know he may struggle against off speed pitches but he's able to identify them very well uh but the problem is now that pitchers are adjusting. They're throwing in changeups mostly in the zone, uh, and he's really not. I mean, at some point he's going to need to adjust back and figure out a way to hit a changeup in the zone. Because if he doesn't, I mean, it's there are players. You know, there's a book on every player, but uh, a hole in the swing that big is pretty easy to exploit. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, it's, I think, you know, it's only 20 games in the season and he's only 20 years old. And so there's definitely plenty of time for him to adjust to this. This is a new thing. I mean, I'm sure in the minor leagues and most of last year, he's seen mostly hitting off mostly fastball, which is why he succeeded. Um, it would be interesting to see how he adapts to the league adapting to him. And that's all it's about. It's about adapt. That's what it is to sustain success. Sustained success in this league is about adapting to the people adapting to you. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see how he's able to adapt throughout the season uh, and change his approach. I think it's going to be, you know, maybe he has to start hitting less off the fastball, maybe looking for more off-speed um, 
but you know he's such a good ha fastball hitter, so maybe it's going to be hard for him if he's seeing so few fastballs to kind of uh, continue to success. Well, I think the problem that I've seen so far is that he's gotten so sort of concerned with off speed that he's swinging at any fastball he sees, uh, and he's swinging through a lot of them. I think his uh, contact rate and his uh, it was contact rate is actually up on fastballs. Uh, he's swinging through less fastballs or fewer than, uh, but he's his uh, average on fastballs is down, which suggests to me that he's just jumping at any fastball he sees, putting it in play, but not hitting it hard. And it's not like he's really even chasing more pitches than he was last year. His O swing percentage is, this year is 22%, last year is 21.9. So it's about the same as it was last year. So he's yeah, not I mean, chasing it's, as much. Yeah, I mean, he's still got that great eye. It's just that he's. Mm -hmm. Maybe, you know, he's still recognizing in-zone, out-of-zone, but he's uh, basically being less selective. You know, he's he does have a hole in his swing on fastballs up and in. Uh, you know, I've seen him go after a couple more of those. He's, you know, when you're essentially looking for a fastball and only a fastball. You can't really afford to be as selective on the fastballs that you see. So I just, I feel like that's part of the problem. And obviously this is me armchair diagnosing it based on what I've seen. And I'm not a hitting coach, but uh, yeah, I mean, he's going to have to figure out how to adjust. I mean, he's been not terrible. It's not as though he's been a black hole. I mean, he's got a, you know, 235, 381, 441, triple slash, that's 120 WRC plus. Uh, but you were sort of hoping he would make that leap. Uh, and right now he's sort of, you know, he's sort of, I wouldn't even call it a sophomore slump. It's it's just a sophomore adjustment. Yeah. And I think he'll come around. Uh, interestingly, it's the only thing that's discernibly different. First of all, he's seeing fewer pitches in the zone. Uh, it was 43.6 last year to 35.5 this year. But he's also making contact with fewer pitches outside of the zone that he swings at. Uh, last year, he was a 68.10 contact percentage versus 56% this year. So huh. I, I think he's also seeing fewer pitches out of the zone that are fastballs, too. And I remember you know, last year how many fastballs up and away he'd turn up to opposite field. Um, so that's an interesting little deviation from last year to this year. Yeah, I mean, that's the only real major difference. Well, that his contact rate is way down, but and his zone rate is way down. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's not... I mean, he's still still swinging at just as many pitches outside the zone as he did last year. Very low percentage of them. Uh, so it's, it's sort of hard to tell what's going on. But mm -hmm. yeah, I mean, I, I think he'll punch back. I think he'll figure out how to adjust to it. Uh, yeah. But, I'd agree. you know, the, the problem is right now the Nats have a couple holes in their lineup. You know, if, if Rendon's out for an extended period of time, which he may be, he may not be. Always hard to tell with him. Yeah. Do you want to talk about our favorite black hole with this team, though? Sure. Let's talk about our favorite back, black hole, uh, or least favorite, the one that's causing me the most anxiety, and that's the mm -hmm. bullpen. Yes. Um, and so, you know, this week the Nats signed Dan Jennings. Okay, 
to a minor league deal. Uh, that's not going to fix anything. And obviously, looking at this team, how the bullpen performed this week, it's it's going to be hard to keep going forward with this group. Um, so, outside of signing Craig Kimbrell, there aren't too many options. You know, Craig Kimbrell is a great option. Well, I would love to walk through that door, but I don't expect him to. So nope. we can look elsewhere. And, you know, it's never too early to make a trade. So let's talk about some guys who we can possibly see getting traded. And these are guys mostly on teams that aren't going to contend this year, and they know it. Um, yesterday, the Giants, it was reported that the Giants are already looking to move some middle relievers. And there's a guy on the Giants who we thought would be a good fit. Um, would you like, care to talk about him? Sure. Uh, I mean, so Sam Dyson is the guy that they're probably looking to trade right now. Uh, Dyson is a veteran. He's, he's pitching very well this year, 2380 RA. The peripherals are all there. Uh, big sinker baller, if you remember. Uh, so right now the Nationals desperately, desperately need one more pitcher to, I mean, it's not going to solve everything. It's barely going to solve anything, but they need one guy to stabilize the the bullpen and keep Sean Doolittle from having to throw in five run games. Uh yeah, I mean it's it's listen, I mean, yes, we've ragged on Davey a lot in this podcast, but I mean, there aren't a lot of options here. No one is pitching well. Uh and so, you know, if you can just add one more major league caliber arm that already does a great deal of work towards not having to white knuckle every single game. So Dyson's good. Uh, another guy that's interesting is Alex Colome. Uh The White Sox acquired him from the Mariners this offseason. I, I don't know if they're interested in selling him off yet, but he's a guy with closer experience. Uh, Got a three RA so far this season. Uh, he's been giving up a couple homers, but uh, small sample size, and everyone's been giving up home runs. But, uh, I mean, Colome is interesting. Uh, Joe Biagini, I think I said Joe, but Joe Biagini, uh, the Blue Jays setup man, is another guy who has gotten off to a hot start. He's got good stuff. Fastball, 95 to 97. I mean, he's he's not... These aren't great options. You're not going to get a great option this early in the season. Plus, there really aren't that many great relief options available. There are no, I mean, obviously, Craig Kimbrell still might be there at the deadline, but there are no uh, Chapmans or Jansons on the move uh, this trade deadline. But the guys that are there, the guys like Ken Giles and Will Smith, aren't going to get moved this early in the season, but the Nats have a desperate need right now. Uh, So, I mean, you're talking about lower-tier guys, but a lower tier of usable Major League arm is better than what's currently behind Sean Doolittle in the bullpen. Yeah. Yes. Um, And, you know, our bullpen has been... You know, as we all know, our bullpen's been bad this year, but, you know, so has everyone else's bullpen. Um... Reliever ERAs are up this year, uh, and it's been interesting. You know, you know, obviously we've been, you know, as Nats fans, you're focused on seeing how bad the Nats bullpen is, but you know, we saw how bad the Mets bullpen performed. We hit off them. Phillies bullpens performed. Pretty much every bullpen, you know, there's half the bullpens in the league have an ERA over four six. 
Well, um, I want to be I want to be clear about something. The Nationals bullpen has still been the worst. I mean, the Nats bullpen the ERA no, right now is seven nine four, which is a full run worse than the second worst team in baseball. But well, yes, this is course. a league wide problem. Yes. Uh, and the uh, the league reliever ERA right now is four thirty nine, uh, which is higher. Then the starter ERA, which is 4.35, and just to give you some context, uh, going back to 1974, which was the earliest uh, through which I could find accurate statistics, uh, because they get a little wonky uh, after that or before that. Uh, this is the first year that reliever ERAs are projected to be worse than starter ERAs. You know, we're in this era of bullpenning. And the bullpens seem to be getting worse. Uh, you know, there are other categories here. Uh, strikeout minus uh, walk rate. You're seeing that the relievers are doing worse than the starters for the first time since 1986. Uh, basically, every kind of category. Uh, strikeouts, they're still doing better, but the gap has closed to uh, levels we haven't seen since the 1970s. Uh, back when your starter was was the guy you counted on, and the reliever was just some guy you'd throw in there when the starter got tired. Uh, I mean, to me, this is just so interesting because uh, you know I'm trying to figure out why it's happening, and I can't really figure that out. Do you have any theories? Mm -hmm. Well, yeah. I mean, one thing is you know is. Fastball velocity is about the same for relievers and starters. Um, so you're not really getting much of a difference between you have your starters who are behaving like relievers because they're throwing so hard and so much movement. It's got like Noah Syndergaard who throws nasty stuff for six innings. And that kind of takes away the, the intensity of relievers who could throw that stuff for one inning. So you have starters who are going max effort now versus relievers who could go max effort for an inning. So while starters are only going five innings, they're going max effort in those five innings instead of pacing themselves, thus throwing better pitches, throwing harder, throwing with more movement. Um, to me, so to me something that's interesting is you touch on that velocity. So uh, in 2017, the average starter velocity was 92.3 miles an hour. The average reliever was 93.7. Uh, that was a, a gap of 1.4 miles an hour. The reliever... Uh, average velocity has come down over the last two years. It's now 99.3. The starter velocity has ticked up a little bit. So we're talking about a gap of under a mile an hour between starter and reliever. Uh, and you're also seeing fewer fastballs being thrown than ever. I mean, we're we're nearing the point now, I think it's 52% uh, fastballs to 48% everything else. You know, in the next two years, you could easily see fewer fastballs thrown than off-speed pitches, which has never happened in the history of baseball. Uh, and I think, you know, the, the truth was that relievers sort of always pitch backwards more than starters because they came in in much higher leverage situations uh, when you might need a strikeout uh, and when you sort of, you know, the the mindset of a pitcher, a starting pitcher, has always been that you need to show the fastball first time out and then establish the off-speed second and third so that you can keep getting 
hitters out, so you have something to show them the second and third time through the order. But now that pitchers aren't really going through that third time through the order, they don't have to hold back, and starters are, are throwing more like relievers, which is making relievers comparatively less effective. Uh, I mean, if, you, if you're if you already seeing off-speed pitches, you know, throughout the whole game, there's nothing special about a reliever coming in, uh, you know, with a wipeout slider. If you've already seen a wipeout slider for, you know, from the starters. So, I it's mean, I, I don't know what yeah. it is. So that's one it, theory, I, though. Uh, mm-hmm. My other theory is that the relievers are just gassed. Um, we've seen in the last, since 2016, uh, which was at that time the highest reliever usage in, um, in terms of innings pitched. Uh, since 2016 and 2018, we're up almost 20,000 innings pitched by relievers. Um, and so what we could be seeing is a residual effect of just relievers just being tired and not rebounding the next season after they should from pitching more and more. Uh, that's just one theory. I have no backup stats behind it. Uh, whether or not the most tired pitchers who were overworked the most last year have pitched uh, poorly this year. But to me, it, it kind of passes the snuff test uh, of guys just throwing more and more and no longer being you know, the same guys they were in 2016. I mean, over the course of five seasons, we've lost an average of about two-thirds of an inning out of, out of starters. I mean, I, I don't know what that means. Uh, and I know that this is sort of just rank speculation. And I kind of agree with you that maybe relievers are just, you know, not bouncing back from season to season because they're just tired. And I, I feel like the the drop in reliever velocity has something to say about that. But I just, you know, even with relievers, your know, starters going shorter, we're not talking about like a I just, I don't know if an extra two outs a game is the kind of thing that's going to gas relievers. I I just, I mean, yes, it's noticeable, and yes, it's very annoying, uh, and I really don't like it. And the complete game is all but died. Uh, even the eight-inning start is starting to disappear. But I just, I don't know if it's that relievers are gassed or that just, Starters are max effort, so relievers going max effort adds less to the equation. I mean, but, one more thing on the death of the complete game is that was basically enough from the bull, for the bullpen. You know, no one had to warm up, no one had to get ready, and especially even in eight inning games. You know, you only had one guy get up, and that gives the rest of the bullpen a night off, even if they don't pitch. So you have relievers are probably throwing more. I don't have. There's no evidence for that number of times. That's a good up. point. That's a really but good guys point. Guys are probably getting up more that. now than they used to. Uh, to get ready for games even if they don't throw. So that's another, you know, it's not the same as pitching in a game, but it's more work that they have to get in. Well, there so was something, uh, so in Barry Serpluga's, like, uh, post-mortem on the Nats in 2015, he talks about how Matt Williams, uh, you know, they call it dry-humping relievers. Uh, Matt Williams had a tendency to dry-hump relievers, and they talk about how relievers count that as a day that they've pitched. Uh, because it's essentially, you know, most of the work that you do to get, you know, to pitch in a game comes in the bullpen. Uh, and so that's, that's certainly a, a viable theory that, you know, now that relievers are sort of being mixed and matched more, you know, you can't sit down for as long. 
you never know when you're going to pitch. I mean, they, they probably do get dry humped more, and that might have something to say about that. Yeah. So I guess that's it for us today. Uh, a bit of a shorter episode, save you a little bit of time. Um, but enjoy yes, those four minutes that you, well, see, I don't know what the weather's like in Bethesda, but here in Ann Arbor, it's absolutely beautiful. So I'm going to spend those four minutes sitting outside getting a tan. I will too. Uh, it's also beautiful here up in Boston. So thank you guys for listening to another episode of the Rashcast, and we will be back next week. All right. See you next week.